0: Hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the North American Logistics Tech Summit. I'm Ryan Schreiber. I'm the Director of Engagement at Carrier Direct, and I'm also the host of uh, Inside the Founder Studio podcast. And uh, today I'm joined for a fireside chat here by Mustafa Azizi, uh, founder and CEO of Zoom. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining me today, Mustafa.
1: Hey, nice to uh, be welcome to your show. I appreciate it. And just let me level set here before we begin. Every one of these Freightwave events I've done everybody calls me Mustafa. Mo is an option if it's easier for you guys.
0: All right, good. I'll go with Mo, I'll go with Mo from here. I like that. Mo, we're going to like a lot of attention is paid to like large companies and what they're doing with technology. Um, uh, you know, com- like com- or companies with deep pockets, right? The convo- convoys of the world, the the Ubers of the world. And then the Redwoods and the um and those folks and and kind of like what they're spending and how they're attacking technology. Um, but I want to talk about with you kind of the small and medium sized brokers and intermediaries. And over the last several years, you know, kind of a question that I regularly get is, um, do I think small guys are going away? So I want to kind of start there. Like I get this question: Do I think small brokers and 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 medium sized brokers are going to go away with this technology revolution? And I always kind of reply back that they don't have to go away. It's a little bit of of kind of a, de- a devil's choice there. What excites me today is that there really are kind of a plethora of options for these small and mid-sized intermediaries to inject software in their business and remain competitive. So, the kind of the first thing I'd throw out there that I'd love to hear your take on is I'd imagine you agree that these folks aren't aren't going away anytime anytime soon anyway. What do you see kind of as a key driver to their competitiveness? Um, And what should intermediaries maybe focus on over the next few years to kind of try and remain competitive against some of these larger players as they adopt big technology suites?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, number one, if you want to be competing with the big guys or even feel as you're competing with the big guys, you want to focus on um, your interactions with carriers and uh, making sure that they want to use your company over and over again and pay better than the other guys if you can and find those customers that help you enable them. I mean, uh, since we're a tech company, I could say, you know what, Um, focus only on technology and digitizing and catching up with the big guys. But ultimately, I think the most important part is to come up with a really trusted, good base of carriers that you can rely on when you get that right customer to scale your brokerage.
0: That's such a great point. I think what you just intimated there at the end there about kind of being a technology company and this concept of of like digitize everything, a big pushback around technology, right? In the adoption of technology in our industry, and particularly in that mid-market and lower intermediaries is, well, this is a relationship business and the relationship isn't going anywhere. And there's almost a concept of like, it's technology or relationship and that those are at odds. And what you just kind of mentioned there is, hey, we should, let's focus on digitizing the transaction. It's not digitizing the relationship. That doesn't necessarily go anywhere. And to your point, like focus on interactions with carriers. I love that that point, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like as an intermediary, all you sell is capacity. All you're reselling is capacity. So those interactions... And then to your point about paying better, you know, a big trend that we're tracking and that we're working with on with our customers is how do they lower their cost to serve, right? And so there's a lot, you know, a lot of carriers look at brokers and a lot of shippers look at brokers and say, they're so expensive, right? They're making 15% margin. That's a ton of money. It's so expensive. But when you look at the cost it takes to actually serve a shipment and how much a broker actually ends up making to the bottom line, it's not that much, right? If the average margin on a shipment is about $150, maybe it's more today given the capacity environment, but $150, $175, $130 plus of that is tied up in cost of service. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm looking at to answer my own question here that people should, should focus on over the next few years are tools that allow them to procure capacity better and faster and smarter, right? That lowers their cost of service. So they have free cash to pay better, right? So you can spend less charge, you know, spend less and still make as much money or, or more money as you were making before. Uh, how does that strike you? I mean, do, do you see something similar?
1: I mean, um, we're unique because we have a digital freight brokerage, but we're also the first company to give our software to other brokers. So yeah, that, that resonates really deep with us because we're always focused on number one, bringing a lower cost of doing that transaction for ourselves, but also leveraging that to our partners that wanna use our software. Uh, To kind of tap on that first question you asked about uh, brokers in the industry. So the thing is, um, according to all the money that's in the industry, there's more and more new brokers opening up every day and, and our industry is always going to be somewhat, uh, pretty fragmented. And you might want to even say that fragmentation is not a bad thing because it's sparse competitiveness and services people long run. But I do think there is a value that, um, um, the other day I was talking to a carrier and, um, they're like, Hey, it's really cool how you onboarded me. It was slick. And it kind of left this feeling that I'm dealing with somebody good. So if, if. Um, you can find the way as a small or medium-sized brokerage to really look more reputable to those carriers that are really have a lot of brokers to choose from and make their lives easier, then it's going to help you win that relationship longer uh, term as well.
0: It's super, super great point there about that onboarding experience. I recently wrote a rop, an op-ed for freight, that's on FreightWaves right now. Go ahead and check it out. I need those clicks, everybody. But it was all about Redwood's new logistics platform as a service. And the point that I was making is that uh, it's an example of sort of bringing that customer-centric design element to Freight, right? Which is something that's been missing over time. And so to your point about that onboarding experience that you just had with that customer, or excuse me, with that carrier, how it was slick. Select- It removed friction from that transaction. It had that customer-centric element of it. I'm sure you still got everything that you needed from the carrier, but it left them with a better experience of what it might be like to work with that company. And that's all about that customer-centric design. And and so I love that point about how that's bringing into the industry every opportunity you have to remove those friction points. Um, fragmentation is a huge, is a huge thing for our, our business. I mean, JP Hamstead and I were having a conversation about this maybe two or three weeks ago, maybe more now, but about how, you know, fragmentation is probably going to persist, right? Because there are probably 250 large shippers in this, ind- in this country that really kind of drive the freight market, right? And those, for those companies, fragmentation is a good thing. So that's probably not going anywhere. I want to I, let, let's let's kind of talk about you know you you mentioned how your company you you sell software to other folks and you also um, you also have a digital freight brokerage I, mean, I think the key to mid sized intermediaries smaller intermediaries really being able to um, to persist in the future and, and thrive in the future is this adoption right and the concept of of actually getting to adopt the technology but then I see companies constantly struggling um, with where to start when it comes to technology. Cause there's a ton now, you know, it used to be, you have a TMS and maybe you had DAT and you had truck stop and you had, maybe you had RMIS. You, you, maybe you had these little like pieces here and there. Now there's a ton. There's a, there's a bunch of opportunities. Um, do you see the same thing about brokers maybe struggling with that? And what do you think maybe the, what's the biggest opportunity that's maybe easy for folks to focus on? From an adoption perspective see some quick wins and really start to change the culture of their business when it comes to technology
1: yeah so um when we look at the medium to small size broker there's really like three flavors right there's that brokerage that has like over 50 employees there's that brokerage between 10 and 50 and then there's that brokerage that's less than 10. And you could even uh, take this conversation to the truckers as well, because a lot of them have asset-based brokerages and it's all starting to overlap a little bit here and there. So um, the reality for me is when you're looking at your software landscape and you've made that executive decision that we need to be digitally transformed, number one, you could build, that's going to be really expensive and it might be a rabbit hole down the line because even the companies that are traditional brokers that spend hundreds of millions of dollars don't have a fifth of the product of true Silicon Valley based brokers. And then you're going to have to maintain that all the years. Number two, you could buy it. Right. But the problem is the only people that you can buy from are legacy uh, TMS providers that have a new cloud-based platform that is basically putting lipstick on a pig. And, um, that was the old architecture but then the problem with those guys is they have huge upfront expenses and all these bells and whistles and long onboarding um and then the third way is like if you buy like some smaller you know uh cloud-based software but that might not just do what you need to do in a business with us we have built a complete digital brokerage suite which is actually inexpensive that could be here's the key Rolled out in five days, with all the platforms interconnected. That's definitely you
0: know what you're describing there on that third approach is a hybrid approach, right? And I think that's uh, that's one of the things that we talk a lot about with our clients historically in transportation. I don't know, actually, not just transportation. Historically, with software, to your point about that architecture, you kind of had to build everything to have some sort of competitive advantage. And as an industry, we are sort of struggling to get away from that mentality of if I don't have proprietary tech, I can't be competitive. Really, even with our largest customers, they're taking that hybrid buy-build approach, right? They're going to buy the things that are table stakes, like tracking, and they're going to build what differentiates them um, from the market right now. And I think that that's that's so that's a great point. And certainly to your to your comment about um, the architecture and moving things to the cloud. You need, you need software that plays nicely with others, right? Like you have to make decisions about your core software and also the ancillary software products that you buy or build and how they're going to interact with each other and play with each other. I think that's that's certainly what we're seeing as well.
1: You know, what's the big hang up we have is um, people spend a lot of money on the old stuff they have. So they have a hard time letting it go. And they use that as an excuse not to invest in the new stuff, um, even though it doesn't do it's the cost job. fallacy, man. It's the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do you overcome the paradigm in their minds? The The second thing with our software is we're a tech company that's always using it for ourselves. So every time we have a new date weekly, they get that for free for so in five years, you wouldn't have to update it. Um, the only uh, contradiction that comes to Zoom that they sit in their mind, they're like, well, you're a broker too. And you're giving me a software. I don't know if I trust the race car driver building me a race car. And I'm like, yeah, you could look at the glass half full or half empty. We have these three things that mitigate your risk in terms of your data being protected. We could even build it on another architecture. But ultimately, it's really um, consider the alternatives, right? So.
0: I think for your point about the 50 and undersized brokers, and I think even when you talk about mid-market, you can go up to, you know, 150 million in revenue or so. But but really those folks in the 50 and under range, um, one of the problems that I see a lot of times is they're trying to do too much with technology. Like, like, like I got an, I, you know, I get messages sometimes from folks who say like, hey, I'm, I'm, you know i'm under 10 million dollars in revenue but like i what do you think about i should be adopting from an optimization software perspective and i'm like well do you have customers who are asking you for optimization of their of their you know supply chain no but like just in case and it's like uh, I, do you have that much money you know and so I, I think that your point is kind of well made is you know I, look i'm not here to advocate for people buying zoom like i don't necessarily know anything about your product you know but but what i do think is true is that folks need to get a, get away from the sunk cost fallacy of like, this is what I did. I need, I need to do something today that's gonna stay with me for the rest of time. Like, where are you today? What do you need today to be competitive and to subsist? And then also like, what's close at hand? Like what, what's something that you can do that gives you a competitive advantage to get to that next phase of growth, right? If you're a $10 million broker, And you're thinking about how to compete with C.H. Robinson, like you're thinking about the wrong stuff, man. Like you need to think how, you know, how do I get from 10 million to 20 million to 50 million to hundred million? Like I need to, you need to be looking at the next step stones and constantly be revisiting that, right? Because that's the point about the sunk cost fallacy, constantly be revisiting that because it's a moving target And, and you need to be making the plans for the next phase I kind of, you know, you need to be blocking and tackling, but you also need to be working on what's the next kind of, what's that next, you know, game design that's really going to really gonna help with you. It's really easy
1: to overcome uh, the sunk cost fallacy when you're under hundred million than when you're after above a hundred million. So the sooner you kind of like take that uh, paradigm out, the faster it'll help you out. Totally.
0: One of the other questions I get a lot of times, and I'd love your take on it as a software company as well is how quickly folks need to be thinking about making some of these changes in their business. Um, What do you, you know, kind of, what do you see as the next five years that people really need to invest in and how quickly do you think those things are going to, you know, kind of change?
1: Well um, from a broker perspective, I think the most important thing to invest in as a small and medium sized broker is people, (laughs) Cause you're not going to get anywhere without the right people on the bus. But ultimately it would be really nice because, um, a lot of the customers are used to, and the carriers are used to, um, playing with people with really good platforms that are easy to adopt in terms of the UI perspective to adopt that if it's affordable, but like you said, man, don't take on bites that you don't need to early in the game. If your business is like in a way that it's not going to go out of business today, just Consider your options. You know, weigh out the different options.
0: Is there one workflow issue that you you think people should look at? Like pricing, you talked about capacity earlier. Like what about capacity? You think people should look for. I personally think I bring up pricing and capacity. Personally, I think pricing is a big one. Um, that is changing dramatically, right? I mean, it's not just sort of dat rate view anymore. You know, you have other options, green screens, AI or, or Sonar's pricing product, whatever. I think that those are something you should really look at. In a, being a broker has always been a speed of information game. And as we see these kind of spikes and these market swings becoming more dramatic and quicker, the speed of information is really important, which is why I think, you know, pricing is one that I would look at. Capacity management is another one, right? And so tools like Freight Friend or Parade AI are big ones that I would I look for in terms of helping companies manage capacity and scale the liquidity in their carrier network, which is really what you sell as a broker. So are there other things like that that you guys are looking at and that you're looking at as you know a big opportunity space for folks? If you're in that small to midsize range, it's going to help you get to that next level?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, with our tool, we've integrated to all those guys uh, you've mentioned uh, because we don't want to be like that end all to everybody's needs, right? Um, we want to build more of a Google-like um, share platform that we can all work together. Um, the thing that uh, mid-sized brokers will look uh, in the future, in the next five years, is alone they might not have a lot of buying power, and alone they might be weak or. That somebody big might try to swallow them up. If you noticed all the big brokers are trying to swallow up all the medium sized brokers right now. But in a way, like if you look at um, the small guy that had his apartment that uh, started to rent it out, the biggest thing that ever happened for those guys was a platform like Airbnb, because now Airbnb as a whole brought together all the medium guys to be competitive versus like the orbits and Travelocity. Um, that's really our thesis is like, how, how can we get, people working towards synergy, like one plus one equals three. That's not what you can do for yourself, but what you can do for your community.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. Um, I uh, appreciate you sharing some of this time with me, Mustafa. I think we're at the, uh, uh, just up against it. So um, if people want to reach out to you or learn more, uh, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, they could uh, always go to my website, bigkahuna.com. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, Zoom app com dot com. Z-U-U-M-A-P-P.com. Go click the little broker tab on the top and get ready to be blown away or find me on LinkedIn, Mustafa Azizi. Mustafa, thanks again.
0: Um, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Again, I'm Ryan Schreiber. You can find me on, on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter at underscore user prime. And uh, definitely check out more from the FreightWaves North America Logistics Tech Summit. And uh, everybody have a great day.